This is the Dugout. Weekly interviews with Mariners manager Scott Service. Brought to you by Pizza Hut and by Mazda of Everett. Inside access to the clubhouse from Shannon Dreyer. Every Tuesday at 1 with Bumpin' Stacy on Seattle Sports Station. The home of the Mariners. Welcome to the Dugout with Shannon Dreyer, Michael Bumpus, and Stacy Ross. We are getting things started the way we always do with the Scott Service Show presented by Pizza Hut. With support from Mazda of Everett, Scott joins us now on the Emerald Queen Casino Sportsbook Hotline. Skip, how's it going? Going great. How are you guys? A lot uh, of football to talk about. You guys are on top of the world today. We are feeling great. Let me tell you what, Skip. After the series you guys had against Atlanta, heading into Monday night, both Bump and I are alma maters, won their respective college football games. We were on cloud nine, cloud ten, potentially even. Um, I, Skip, I actually wanted to start with last night's game. Uh, I'm not sure if you saw this, though I'm sure you probably knew, uh, but a, a ton of your guys were there at the game. Ty France, JP, Marco Gonzalez, I think Eric Swanson was there, um, all there together in the Hawk's Nest, which is like the bleacher section, just drinking beers. It was really, really cool to see. I ask, because of all the teams you've managed, where does this one rank with just camaraderie? Oh, it's at the top of the list. There's, there's no question. Our guys love uh, hanging out with each other. And uh, whether it's, like I said, going to a football game, going out to play golf, grabbing dinner on the road, they, they really do enjoy spending time with each other, which is great to see. But, uh, yeah, I saw some pictures. They were up in the Hawks Nest, and they all had beers in their hands. So I guess it was a good night for those guys. <laughs> great night. I think I saw JP with a Bud Light. France looks like an IPA type yeah, of guy. Fancy. I'm a I'm a Bodie type of guy. Coach, if what what's your beer of choice if you could have one? Do you really want to know? Yes. Yeah. Lining Kugels. What? Okay. What is that, coach? Okay. <laughs> Did you get like really Wisconsin on us? Like what is what is this? Lining Kugel Summer Shandy. Check it out. I'm going, well, I'm writing that down. I don't even down. know how to spell it. It sounds so German. <laughs> I'm telling you, you guys learn something all the time. You never know what comes out of the dugout show. We never do. We never do. All right, Shannon, take it away while I Google this. First of all, good job, Skip. You absolutely stumped them. I didn't think that yeah. could be done, but you, you got it done I there. And I think that say. absolutely. But you also give them a good piece of information. So, you know, I already feel the show is a win. Hey, we got to go back to Sunday. And uh, I just, I'm, I'm not sure I've ever seen a game turn as quick. I actually went back and I looked at the time clock on it and, the lead was lost in 17 minutes, and you guys picked it up in just a couple minutes later. But I want to hear a little bit. You got into it a little bit on the postgame show. But uh, tell us a little bit about what was happening in the dugout when the guys got back. Yeah, I know Julio was talking a little bit. I, I just, just give us the behind the scenes as best you can now that you've had some time to process all of it. Yeah, I may need more time to process all of it. But <laughs> we have a game tonight. But it was a heck of a comeback. Uh, crazy ninth inning. We had played such a good ball game up to that point, you know, and thought we were in total control. But, you know, as can happen in Major League Baseball, things can turn in a hurry, and they certainly did on us. So, you know, we give up the lead uh, coming back in the dugout. Of course, you know, it's it's typically pretty quiet when something like that happens. But based on where we we're at, uh, a number of our guys are like, let's go. Get a couple guys on base. Let's make it happen. You know, we can get this done. And it was very upbeat. I'm way more positive than I was expecting it to be at that point. And sure enough, like I said, post game, we had the right guys coming up. Uh, you know, Julio absolutely smoked that ball for a home run. Now the game's tied, and oh my gosh, you know, we're right back in it here. What do we need? And of course, Gino walks up, and Gino has just been on fire. He has been so awesome. You know, the, the power numbers he's put up and the run he's been on here lately, he's been carrying us, you know, really over the last month and a half or so. And 
he and Julio, they stepped up big time for us. But it really started with the attitude when guys came back in the dugout, which is a credit to our players. Coach, do you, in that moment, do you look at the probabilities like, okay, you know, we got this young 21-year-old at the plate. Um, is he really going to step up in this moment and be the guy that we all think he's going to be? And when that happens, what do you do? Do you just shake his hand and shake your head like, all right, it's another day, Julio being Julio? Yeah, I think, you know, you talk about, you know, probabilities and things like that. And in baseball, you know, we talk about it all the time. There is some luck involved. And, you know, you can go up, have a good at bat, hit the ball really hard, and it gets caught. Or you don't get the result you're looking for. But uh, when Julio hits the ball like that, there's only good things are going to happen. You know, about 117, I think it was, off the bat and, you know, line drive. But nothing really surprises me anymore with Julio. And the fact that you mentioned that he's 21 years old, I don't even look at him that way anymore. Uh, I mean, once you got a you know, now almost a full year under his belt and the things he's done throughout the season at big moments, nothing really surprises me or anybody in our dugout, his teammates, the coaching staff. He's just a special player and, you know, great positive vibe around him all the time. You just know good things are going to happen and it doesn't always work out. But in those moments, he's the guy you want to have at the plate. In watching that back, I found it so interesting in that you had just such a contrast. Julio, all that youthful energy, and, you know, he comes up to the plate, he does the hop and everything that he does, and you know that it's going a million miles an hour, and then he dials it back in. And then you see Suarez walk up to the plate, and it's just one foot here, one foot there, bat, let's go, as steady as can be. Are they two kind of opposite ends of the spectrum? Uh, yes, outwardly, uh, they certainly are. Uh, you know, Gino's got a pretty hot fire burning within him as well, but uh, he doesn't wear his emotions on his sleeve until he hit the ball over the fence. Then you saw all of his emotions come out. But, uh, you know, he's about as even keeled as any player that we have on our team or have had on our team through the years. Uh, he, he likes baseball. He likes his teammates. He loves his family. He's got two little girls. I mean, he just... He's just very grounded. Nothing really gets too low. Nothing gets too high. And you need those guys, just like you need the Julios of the world that are bouncing around and creating the energy for everybody else every day. It takes a balance. And I think that's one of the things that we have in our clubhouse. We've got a balance of you know, guys that, that can get hot and cold and up and down. We've got another group of guys that stay very calm no matter what the situation is. And it's a great group. Skip, um, I look at a player like Haggerty, and he's he doesn't he's not like Julio, he's not like Suarez. He's like he's that that oddball. It seems like the way he plays because he makes those plays that not too many people can make. How important is a player like him uh, to a team like the Mariners? Oh, he's awesome. You know, you need those those complimentary players, those guys who, you know, maybe when the season started, you didn't know quite what you're going to get or wasn't expecting to get the contribution we've got out of Swaggy, but. Uh, it's been awesome. The thing about uh, Sam, he's ready to play. You know, whether he's in a starting lineup, ready to come off the bench, he's always thinking ahead. Hey, how are they going to use me? Am I going to pinch run here? Am I going to pinch hit? You know, there's days he's going to be in the lineup. Um, and what can I do to help the team? And he can affect the game in a lot of different ways. I think everybody's seeing that. What he does defensively, what he does on the bases, he's gotten a lot of clutch hits for us. Uh, just you know, got to keep him going. I I love what he brings to our team and the versatility and. You know, the switch hit, play all over the outfield, pretty valuable guy for us. Uh, first and foremost, Skip, I'll let you know that our text line full of people co-signing on your beer choice. So Bump and I are now the 
the ones out of the cool kids club. We need to try this out apparently. Uh, but yeah, (laughs) everyone very excited saying skip has great taste in beer. That's amazing. Um, but my, (laughs) good for you. you. (laughs) Well, no, 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 no. People are saying that's amazing. Like, it's like, I think, I think that what we're having here are people that are alone and loving Leinenkugel or whatever it is. And they're like, finally, I feel seen (laughs) someone else. (laughs) <laughs> Go get your six pack. You'll be just fine. You'll enjoy the game no matter where you're at. Line and Kugels unite. Yeah, you got it. You got it, Skip. Uh, my question, though, look, it has nothing to do necessarily with your team right now. But as you were talking about Julio and, and we just had the conversation with him, I was wondering if um, if you could think back to whether through your playing days or as a manager, if there were any other players that you saw where you just thought, this person doesn't surprise me. Because I like the way you described that with Julio, that greatness fails to surprise you with this person because they just seem to do the impossible. Is there anyone else you can remember watching as a player or as a manager where you thought, this is one of those guys? Yeah, I mean, I've, I've played with a number of guys that are now in the Hall of Fame. And, you know, those type of players, they just have that ability to, to rise up when the game needs you to rise up. You know what I mean? And, and uh, you know, I, I started my career you know, back in Houston with uh, Jeff Bagwells, the Craig Biggio types, those two guys, you know, played in Chicago with some good players. Obviously, Sammy Sosa had some great years there, and it seemed like whenever you needed that home run late in the game in a couple of those years where he was just riding the wave, he would come up with it. Um, you know, I've Larry Walker, very talented player over in Colorado. I mean, there's just like special guys. And, uh, you know, Julio has got a chance to do those type of things throughout his career. Of course, a lot of things got to play out, got to stay healthy and keep doing what he's doing. But, uh, uh, yeah, those, those those players don't come along very often, you know, in today's game. And certainly, you know, what do you see Mike Trout do on a consistent basis? Um, you know, and, and you've got to appreciate them. And nobody appreciates them more than I do when they're on my team. And the fact that we get to watch Julio play out and watch him grow and develop as a, as a player and as a person – and what are you going to mean to this city and our organization? It's pretty awesome to look forward to. And, you know, we got 22 games left to play here. Um, I know he comes into the ballpark every day. He's got a really good routine right now, and he is focused on one thing, like all of our guys are, and that's just, you know, do their job on that particular day and whatever it takes to get us into the postseason. That's where we're all shooting right now, and it's a very clear vision of what's going on in this clubhouse. Scott, what check marks or what boxes with check marks do you have for the next 22 games with this club and, and having them ready for what could come? Yeah, certainly we've got to stay healthy, you know, and we're dealing with a, a few little things right now. Uh, Mitch Hanniger's not in our lineup tonight. Mitch has got a little bit of a, a back issue going on. And, you know, anytime, you know, your key guys in the middle of your lineup are a little banged up or trying to work through some things. Ty France missed the game on Sunday. Uh, I'm thinking he's going to be okay to play tonight, get back in the lineup there. But that's the key. You've got to stay healthy. You know what I mean? And you really need to be, you know, taking advantage of, of all the assets that you have and all of the players that we have. So, Keeping the guys healthy, keeping them going is, is probably at the number, the top of the list for me. And um, understand, you know, we've had some days off here on this homestand, which has been great. And we're about to go on, you know, a 10-game road trip, have a day off, and then end the season with 10 consecutive games at home. So, you know, we need to keep them going. That, that's the key. And, you know, it might be a day where somebody needs a blow. But we understand all these games are important. But if you're not healthy, you can't play. So we've got to keep our guys healthy. Skip, I wanted to ask you this question before the Braves series, but I know better. Uh, in hindsight, um, when you when you look at that series, was it important um, for your staff and your ball club to come out and perform well against a really good team that um, 
uh, that that's won a bunch of games this year. No, no question. You know, you kind of you're always going to judge yourself against you know the, the high caliber teams, and there's no higher caliber team than the Braves. You know, in the National League, in my opinion, they won the World Series last year. They were on a great run before we came in. I think they'd won six or seven games in a row before they came into our series. So it's a very complete team. They can pitch. They can hit. They got power. They're athletic. They got speed. I mean, they, they do it all. They check all the boxes. So you know, coming into the series, you want to see how you, you match up against them, how you line up against them. And I, I certainly felt we, we held our own. And you're going to need a few breaks to win the series. And we did. And we created some of those breaks. But uh, – one thing we've done is we've continued to, to pitch well. Our starting pitching has been awesome. It gives us a chance every night out there, and that's what we're looking here to the Padres series. You know, we got Logan and then uh, Luis Castillo going tomorrow. Uh, we need those guys to give us a chance to win, keep the game tight, and then we'll figure out a way at the end. Logan was absolutely phenomenal. His last outing, his sixth outing or sixth inning, uh, was especially great. Just seeing him just unload uh, before he was uh, done for the night. There. What are you watching for uh, in particular from him with a really tough Padres lineup? Yeah, the command of the fastball, obviously. And I know Logan had great results. I think you know it was a it wasn't as easy maybe as the stat line looked. Uh, you know, because he maybe wasn't didn't have quite the command um, that he's had in other games with his fastball, but. Uh, he was able to win counts, get back into counts. Um, the thing that's really stepped up his last couple outings is his slider's been better. He made a little bit of an adjustment to that, so he's been getting a little bit more swing and miss on that. It's got a little bit more depth to it. It's something that he's really excited about, as is his catcher. I know Cal's really excited about what that pitch looks like, too, here recently. So that's what's going to need to happen tonight. Get ahead in the count and uh, hopefully lean on that slider a little bit. All right. He is the Skipper Scott Service. Skip, you guys got a tough one with this series, but as always, we are very excited to watch and rooting for you. Sounds good, guys. Lining Kugel, Summer Shandy, go get it. <laughs> we'll check it out. We will check it out. See you, Skip. See you, guys. All right, Shannon. Now, I will say before we even move on, I am shocked at how many people on the text line are like, yeah, Lion and Kugel. I had no idea what this was. <laughs> Someone said um, from uh, John and Ballard, Scott is the best. His love of Lion and Kugel further proves that. Someone else said um, uh, Lion and Kugel Summer Shandy is so good. Uh, I, I just this is just wild. The the support. Apparently, we need to go check it out. But. All right. All right. After work. Well, there we go. We'll grab one. Um, Shannon, uh, I'm going to start with you. What stands out, obviously, from the Scott Service show? Lots of good stuff about Julio, good stuff about Logan, um, you, you know, know, stuff about camaraderie. It's all it, it, not a lot because everything he said is exactly what I think we have been seeing. Yeah. And it was after the game on Sunday, he pointed out something and Bumpy might be able to kind of expand on this. But he said that this clubhouse is more about team than I've ever had, something along those lines, and more that you get from most professional teams yeah. where every guy is pulling in the same direction. Well, why is it different between the pro sport? Why would you say that that was rare? Uh, it's rare because once money gets involved, man, there's a whole bunch of other emotions that come up. And you're dealing with grown men. It's not like you know we're in 11th grade and we see each other periods mm-hmm. one through six. We hang out at lunchtime. We're all into the same things. Especially on the baseball team, you got so many guys from so many different parts of the countries. You got different cultures. People have wife and kids. Wife and kids. I mean, it's hard to to blend all these grown men together. So that's why when I see them in the hawk's nest, the cheap seats at Lumen, yeah. and they're together, they're hanging out. Um, it says a, a lot about them, and uh, it it makes more sense when you see them in the dugout having a great time when someone else has success. Like no one's hating on this team. It's like. 
okay, you have success, we have success because they genuinely like each other. Also, there was something kind of cool about them being, uh, you know, with the bleachers with fans instead of in a private suite, given that this entire city is behind them rooting for them to break this drought and that there's this feeling of like doing it, that all of these guys, many of whom are not from Seattle, are not from Washington State, have absorbed and taken on this burden for lack of a better word they wanted to go have fun i mean they can do the sweet thing everybody likes a sweet thing every now and then but it's a lot of fun just to be out there and Mm -hmm. you know drink the beer sitting almost in the lap of the person next to you (laughs) and having fun and being you feel more a part of it when you are out there than than when you're separated you know in little boxes so i Mm -hmm. think that speaks to me that they wanted to have fun Shannon, they went out. you've covered a lot of these teams. I mean, it, does oh, yeah. it feel different to you? Do you feel like this team is closer? Do you feel the fun? Absolutely. No, I, I didn't even think. To, I said, <laughs> like, oh, yeah, yeah, Shannon was looking at me like, this for no, 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 I know. I didn't, I didn't think to ask, like, um, you know, I was thinking from the player perspective, and then I was like, duh, Shannon, you have seen, like, yeah. good and bad versions of camaraderie. And it's so funny because so many times I get asked the question, what was it like in the clubhouse after? What was yeah. the mood? And all? it's usually the same. What was the play in like? It's usually the same. But when you take this as a whole and what that clubhouse is, like and how they are on the same page this is different this year i have never seen a team that behind the scenes is as together as this team is as you brought up bump there are, in major league baseball there always seems to be at least two kind of groups in a clubhouse if not three corners or yeah. four corners or somebody's not happy about something and and that can you know when you are together as much as you are it's funny you were talking about you know being in and you know class at, you know, second period through the sixth period, they kind of are. They're together every day, all the time. Right. So if somebody isn't happy or if somebody isn't on board, that can kind of take things in another direction or start steering them in a direction pretty quickly. They are very much, they don't have the different corners of the clubhouse. And they are very much, you look at, okay, Ty France and J.P. Crawford hang out together. Cool. You know, you see that. Marco Gonzalez was there with that group, too. Um, you Knocked out the rookie thing. Everybody looks at the mm-hmm. rookies as contributors. And then they're really on the same page. And I love, we're running it in a insider, but Eugenio Suarez, you know, we don't play for ourselves. We play for the Seattle Mariners. We are Seattle Mariners. And he keeps saying that. And sometimes when they have sayings and things like that, it can sound a little trite or it can sound a little, you know, it, it just, are you really buying into this? You hear it with emphasis from a Eugenio. And what is really interesting is is that you've got this mix of players that either have been on the team for a while or came up in the organization. And then you've got this group that was brought in from the outside. And those that have been here for a little while or have been brought up through the organization know the history. I mean, three, four years ago, I was going down to AA and talking to players, and I had young players telling me, we just want to come up and end the draft or end the drought. Mm-hmm. We yeah. want to be the team that does that. Well, then you got a player like Suarez who comes over, and we are Seattle Mariners. We want to do this. Yeah. They get it very quickly. And it, it doesn't happen overnight. I think it's it's part of work that has been going on for a long time and also pulling the right players into that clubhouse. But this group is as together as any group, probably more than I have seen. Which is telling for those guys that weren't with this organization and weren't in AAA Tacoma. They were with Cincinnati in the case of Suarez coming over here and immediately recognizing after obviously months with the team, not immediately, but um, buying in essentially. Uh, now, this isn't meant to be any knock against service. Uh, I think that he should be the front runner for AL manager of the year. But when you talk about that camaraderie and that feeling of being in it together, I know it's multifaceted, but have you gotten the feeling in watching this team over the year that that's come from from the players, like from them deciding and advocating to do this? Yeah, and that is the ultimate, you know, final step. It's the the coaches and the manager can lead for 
taken them only so far. But in baseball, particularly, again, where you are playing every day and you're spending all this time together, anything that you hear from a teammate is going to have even more emphasis than what you hear from a coach. And so if it's generated from within like that, it's much stronger. And you can't assume by any means that that's going to happen. But, you know, you think all the way back to Scott Service's first year and everybody thought it was wild that he had the get-to-know-you meetings in spring training. And they were kind of crazy. I mean, they really got into them and, and organizing the groups that were going to go out. And you go by the pool table and you go, you know, and we're all going bowling and we're going to go to this or the pitchers are going to go do that. It probably was a little bit much at that time, but it, you know, and now it's, they're shorter, but it's enough that everybody gets introduced and yeah. they know each other. And you, you hear a lot of guys saying, you heard both Suarez and Julio say in their postgame comments on Sunday, I just really appreciate that I can be myself. That they mm-hmm. let me be myself. And Julio's a different person than, than Gino is. They're totally different. And they, they you know, exist totally in that that they would be at, you know, at odds or anything like that. But uh, you hear the veteran who comes from another team. You hear the phenom who's come up through the organization. And, and they both feel that way. And I think that's important. So that is an atmosphere and an environment that was set that took years to set. And now I think what you're seeing is you are seeing more of the players take it and run with it. The most fun I've ever had on teams were teams where we hung out. Like, even bad teams. I played on some bad teams. And it's like, okay, you can have success. That's easy to have fun when you're having success. But when you're getting your butt kicked or when you're you're fighting adversity, you can always lean back on, I know this person. So now you add that way. You're winning, too. And you're you're changing the game, and you're about to do you're about to make some history, man. That only builds the bond. So yeah. um, I love I, I'm I'm a big believer in just watching athletes body language. You're running on and off the field. You're in the dugout. Um, you're on deck. Like all these little little things I pick up on. And there's no other team that I've watched, and I, I've watched a fair amount of games this year that I see a team that looks like they're having as much fun yeah. as you guys, and they genuinely care for each other. Like when Suarez rounded third base and he saw his guys <laughs> waiting for him at home. I was getting chill. Man, I, I mean, I'm getting hyped. I'm like, I want to be a part of this team. Like, you need a ball boy? Like, right, what's, what's going on, man? It's, it's just fun to watch. We were at the game a while ago. My friend who doesn't watch sports really at all saw the Bob boy and she goes why doesn't he have a helmet like she thought that he was going up to bat she was like he forgot oh, no. his helmet and I was like no 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 I mean, is it bad boy? It's bad boy, isn't it? Bat, bat boy, ball boy, bat boy, boy. ball girl. Like, like, I don't know BB bat ball ball girl yeah that's exactly you should try right. out sometime bro I did that one year I'm too scared <laughs> I don't think I could pick up the stool and run fast enough. I'd be too. I'd be too terrified. You also have to stop the ball sometimes too. Absolutely not. <laughs> okay. Absolutely not. Not for me. Um, <laughs> Gary Hill is going to join us next. I've loved this conversation, but we are going to take a look at the team and what they're doing on the field, including uh, what they have a chance to do here against San Diego with Gary Hill next. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to the Dugout every Tuesday at one with Bump and Stacy on Seattle Sports Station, the home of the Mariners. Joining us now on the Emerald Queen Casino uh, Sportsbook Hotline, it is Gary Hill of the Mariners Radio Network. Gary, I need your help. Uh, I am looking at the wild card standings, the game between the Rays and the Blue Jays. Curtis, you said the Rays beat uh, Toronto? Correct. Yes. Okay. So, Gary, what does it mean for the wild card standings? What am I rooting for in the second of this doubleheader between the two teams? <laughs> make it make sense. Uh, yeah. So, what it means is that Tampa Bay and the Mariners are tied for the first wild card. Okay. And now the Blue Jays are a half game back. 
I don't know what to root for in the second game of this wild card game or this matchup between the Rays and Blue Jays. So I can't help there. There is some intrigue though. Alec Manoa, who's great pitcher for Toronto, he and Gosman are their two best. He was scratched in game one. Mm -hmm. So there's questions whether he'll go in game two or um, they'll go bullpen day for game two, but it's going to be really interesting. They play eight more times in the next week. So I don't know if you, I guess just alternate wins and losses. Maybe look at it like that. Maybe that's the best thing for the okay. best. They just beat each other up. Gary, I'm wondering now because we, we <laughs> hi Gary. <laughs> hey, <Jen. laughs> we we it's have this. I know, and we have this ongoing discussion, and we can't figure out who yeah. we're rooting for right now to help the Mariners. But now that I'm looking at the schedules a little bit closer, if the Rays have got six with Houston, it seems mm-hmm. like Toronto's schedule is a little bit easier. Even though the Yankees are still st- still starting to pick it up, they've got three left of the Yankees. Baltimore is fading. I mean. Does that come into play? Does it you do now kind of really actively root for Toronto? <laughs> it's it's a good question. I I think it's so hard with so many games left. I think it's so hard to know, right? Uh, I I think the key is. I mean, this is Captain Obvious. The key is for the Mariners to take care of their own schedule. What? They have a schedule advantage, no matter how you look at it. And one game at, at a time, point. too, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to on every cliche here. Uh, but after these two games, as we all talked about, the Mariners don't play a team above 500. And they really should. They're not going to win out. I mean, that's ridiculous. It's baseball. But they should have a really good record in those final 20 games. And if you just look at how many times Toronto and Tampa Bay play one another and how many good teams each uh, both those teams will face down the stretch, it's hard to envision either of them – coming close to running the table or going like 15 and five or something in those 20 games. That's why I think beat each other up and the Mariners just win series. They should get the number one seed. That's how, that's how I kind of am looking at it right now. It'd be weird to cheer for Houston too, but I guess I don't like Mariner it. fans will be in that, <laughs> that position. Sorry. <laughs> What's up, Gary? I feel like I got to say hi to man. How you doing? Hey, hey. How's it going? <laughs> good, good. <laughs> hey, Gary, we've been trying to figure out in a three-man rotation, right, um, uh, Gilbert or Kirby. We've both seen these guys perform at a high level the last time um, they took mm-hmm. the mound. Um, where are you leaning right now between those two? So here's how I kind of look at it. When the third spot will get the call, it will either be in a game three, a deciding game three in the first series, or a game one of the next series, right? What I'm saying is both those games are going to be weighed heavily. Both games are going to be hugely important. So I guess I look at both of them, whether it's Gilbert or whether it's Kirby the same way. I think the bullpen is going to be in that game quickly. I I don't think you'd ask either starter to carry the load. It'll be different than a Castillo race start. In my opinion, I think in a deciding game or in a game one, the bullpen's going to be in quick, and I I would see three or four innings for the starter either way, unless you know there's just complete dealing on other side. So part of me, part of my answer is it doesn't matter either way because the bullpen is going to get the majority of innings, and I think you go with the hot hand, which whoever is the hottest hand on the stretch. Gilbert has pitched really well as of late. Kirby has been unbelievable. He's been awesome, and part of it is matchup too. So ask me that when we know who they're pitching against, I guess is my final answer on that. 
Uh, I feel like we should just go through and every single time. Hi, Gary. Quick question. Um, yeah, only more people. It's, it should be a different person every time. This, this will, be a, in, hey, this will yeah. be a segment hey, on the pregame show, too. <laughs> Hi, Curtis. Curtis. <laughs> Gary, how we doing? Yeah. Uh, Gary, I'm, uh, I'm curious. The San Diego Padres are one of those teams where I'm never quite sure what to expect. They always have more losses than I think they will, but also they've got like superstars on their team and they just either underperform, but then they can come out and bite you. I don't know what to expect from the Padres in this series. Is this objectively a better Padres team than the Mariners faced earlier this year? Shannon shaking her head. Yeah. So I guess when you're facing the Padres, part of it is the draw you get in the series. And the Mariners drew a tough draw. I mean, Darvish going in game one is not going to be easy. And Clevenger's pitched well in game two. So part of the Padres answer is who is on the mound. And so we're going to have a good Padres team in the next couple of days. Uh, it is hard to know exactly what to expect from San Diego. As you mentioned, their talent is off the charts, but they have just not been able to put it, put it together at all. I will say the way they've played recently looks worse, I think, because they played the Dodgers a bunch, and anyone will look bad playing the Dodgers. They've lost two, uh, two series, but two of them have been to the Dodgers. So I think they're a really good team. And if the Mariners get a split here, that would be great. That's how I kind of look at these next two games. Get a split, and then all of these last 20 games. Gary? Shannon! Hi! (laughs) Uh, I was going to ask this uh, in the Skipper segment, and wasn't going in that direction. I was going to ask Skipper when we talked to the Skipper later today, but I'll go ahead and ask you. So we know that the Mariners have somehow turned into a home run hitting team. They have the most home runs in the American League in the second half. Um. Also, when looking at that, you go over and you look at another category. You look at a couple. You look at they've got one of the best walk rates. They've got a very favorable strikeout rate. And they also have the lowest BABIP in the American League since the All-Star game. What do you make of that? I know that everybody looks at BABIP as batting average of balls uh, placed in play as luck. You know, it's not falling for you. But sometimes there are other factors uh, if you look at it just kind of surface level, that means they're going to start falling and they're going to start scoring 10 runs a game. I mean, what do you, when you take a look at that, what do you see? So uh, one is they've been great uh, with walks all season long. They've been excellent. They have a really good eye as a team. It's funny because as an organization, they've been preaching, and we hear it all the time, dominate the zone. And they, that really plays out when it's in, in terms of their eye, which is great. Uh, it's been great to see the home runs because I think, uh, that is the playoff winning formula. I think they have what you want for winning playoff series. And that is dominant starting pitching, dominant bullpen and home runs, because I, I, I got to check again, but last year, I think there were only three teams that won a playoff game last year that were out homered in that playoff game. And home runs are. So, I think that is critical. Mm-hmm. Babbitt, uh, it's a big question. I guess I'm not sure exactly what to make of it from that team. I, I think it's, I don't know if I expect it to raise a ton because I, I would expect it to raise higher if they were uh, more athletic up and down the line, which they're really not. And the way they're hitting home runs, a lot of fly balls. So I guess that doesn't surprise me that. It's low. Will it go up a little? Will they be dead last? No, but I wouldn't expect it to take a huge jump. But if you can keep the homers coming, yeah, I want that. 
All right. He is Gary Hill of the Mariners Radio Network. Gary, enjoy the game. We will talk to you later. Sounds good. I'll I'll talk to everyone later or just... Um, I guess, I mean, I guess everyone, I'll include everyone. Okay, certainly, good. certainly Curtis, I'm sure. Shannon. No, nah, I'll text Gary. I'll text. Yeah, I'll text too, Gary. Okay, good. Everyone. That sounds good. <laughs> okay, you. bye, Gary. It's great to talk to everyone. <laughs> this hour of Bump and Stacey. No, just kidding. Uh, this hour is brought to you by Mazda of Ever, but it's not Bump and Stacey anymore, Curtis. It's the dugout. I fixed it. Uh, <laughs> just land this plane. <laughs> Look, I got it. I got it. Okay, a little turbulence, but we're fine. Um, so Bump and I have some questions for Shannon because we got you for one more second uh, segment for the dugout. But I'm going to open up the text line. If you guys have questions for Shannon, too, you always send in good ones. 866-979-3776. More Mariners coming your way next. You're listening to The Dugout every Tuesday at 1 with Bump and Stacy on Seattle Sports Station, the home of the Mariners. This is The Dugout, but we're wrapping things up. Shannon Dre are still with us, Mariners insider for Seattle Sports. And uh, we've got our four, about 10 more minutes. So I'm opening up the text line for your questions. Mac and Jack's text line, 866-979-3776. I will get us started here. Shannon, uh, a fun one to start off. We did ask uh, the Skipper Scott Service what his favorite favorite beer is he said what is it summer shandy that's what we said shannon i'm going to germany Um, so i I got it it sounds like a german beer yeah you are going to germany yeah you better yeah you gotta get ready for it man Line and Google. That is. Shannon's looking at me like, come on. Texter wanted to know, Shannon, what is your favorite or go to beer then? I am not. Uh, it's usually an IPA. Yeah. And I am, I don't. Um, I don't drink a ton of beer, but when I go out, I'm happy to try whatever IPAs they have on tap. An absolute favorite of all time uh, was the Rogue River Red, mm-hmm. was a favorite of mine. So nice. Yeah. All right. <laughs> I'll ask a baseball question, I guess. Um, Why did you like point to me? <laughs> Diego Castillo. Um, any concerns with his last outing? I mean, I figure I always mm. I used to play sports, right? So I look at athletes when they have their struggles. I'm like, no one's perfect. Like yeah. you're not going to go out there and dominate every single time. But I'm, I'm saying, a, am I too forgiving? I've seen a lot of people just you know go hard when when these guys don't have their best outings. You know, it was an interesting answer that we got from Scott Service after the game when he was asked, very kind of tiptoed around it, but you know, why was Diego out there as long as he was? And he said that, A, they had to get him into the game because he hadn't pitched in five days, and also that he'd been a little off of late, and they thought that this was a good opportunity with a four-run lead to get him some work. So, yeah, there have been some things going on. I think as long as he's healthy, I think you've got enough time to get him turned around, and, and you've seen what he can do for the majority of the season. So uh, as long as he is healthy, I'm not concerned about it. And I think with the stretch that's coming up, and you don't want to fall into the trap of, you know, there are, these are all easy games, but there should be more opportunities to get that work. And I think that when I was asking about boxes to check off before the postseason, he's not going to come out and say, we got to get this guy right yeah. or that yeah. guy right. But I think that maybe that is something that you'll be looking for more opportunities to get him into games to get through what he is kind of trying to work through right now. So we've had a few people text in about this one. So if you did, I'm combining all of yours into one. Um, do you expect uh, Swaggerty to replace Winker in left the rest of the year? 
Um, I think it was interesting that we saw him on Sunday. We hadn't seen him start against many right-handers, but uh, you also had Ty France out of the lineup, so yeah. I think that that probably had more to do with it than that. But I know that Scott Service, you know, he goes out of his way to say, anytime you put him into the lineup, you know something's going to happen, be it in the lineup or be it in the field. So I think they will look for opportunities to do that. I don't know that you see a wholesale change. His numbers against lefties are drastically different, and especially the power number. I'm sorry, against righties are drastically different especially the power numbers. But then again, you saw what he did in that game. He also, when we were talking about BABIP earlier, which kind of tells you that, you know, when luck is is involved, Mm -hmm. very high, like sky high. But why not ride the hot hand while you can? And he certainly has shown that he can impact a game. On the flip side of that, he's great to have on the bench to bring in for those situations. So I think we should see a little bit more. I don't think I see a wholesale change. This one's from Fred in Birch Bay, um, and I'm interested in this one too, man. Shannon, love your perspective. Was there a person or experience that got you into baseball? Yeah, uh, my dad. Um, my dad uh, played college ball, played um, uh, coach Legion ball when I was a little kid, and actually uh, grew up in Florida, and it used to be at Bureau Beach. They'd actually go around in spring training and find high school kids to play against some of the Dodger teams that they had. Uh, there, so it's the baseball's always been like some of my earliest memories are like on the back of the bike riding yeah. to the field to watch my dad's Legion games that he was coaching. So that's cool. Yeah, and my mom grew up a, a fan too in Iowa. She was a White Sox fan when she was growing up. I, of course, was a Cubs fan when we moved to Illinois. But uh, and she played in the little league. She was one of the only girls that played in their little league. What so. position? I don't know. You know, that's a good question. I never asked what she played. It was good enough that she played, but uh, it, it, it's been all sides. For me. Obviously, you know, the guys, coaches, people within the organization, players. So it's not like you're like a fan fan, but you know them. So you like personally, you know, you want, you want to see people, you know, succeed. So when it comes to just being a fan, have you let yourself stay a fan of the Cubs? Or yes. did that change? Yes. Yeah. And that's an important thing because I think that in this job, I, I always said that the day that I completely lose my fandom, I'm done. Mm. And that's why I love, and it doesn't even have to be uh, baseball. It can be anything. You have to have that identifying factor. That's why, you know, I I get it for me because when I'm looking at the Mariners, I try and break it down as analytically as I can, as pragmatically as I can. And I just, I try not to let the emotions get involved, but of course the fans are going to let their emotions get involved. And uh, I was a Husky fan for a long, I still am, but not to the extent I was a rabid Husky fan for a long time. So you go through a Tyrone Willingham year and then I get it. I get it. You know, and I get it when a, a, a crucial player is underperforming. I've been mad at those players too on the football field. So I think that that's important. And, you know, I don't actively root for the Cubs every day, but when they start getting going and I keep an eye on them, I I think having that little bit of fandom is very important. Uh, This one's a little tough, and it's probably going to lead you to a couple different avenues here, but it's uh, someone wanting to know about just which space is best for the wildcard race. This person said, is the sixth spot maybe actually a better spot for the Mariners, but would you mind breaking down like just not all the potential outcomes, but not every wildcard spot is created equally. Yeah, you want one or three. I mean, you absolutely want one because that guarantees two games at home. The only way the games are for sure going to be played in Seattle Mm -hmm. is if you grab that number one wildcard spot because one plays two and all three games are at one's house. Three plays the winner of the American League Central. So as a Mariner fan, I don't think you want to go to Toronto. Uh, I I think you do okay against the Blue Jays, but that travel, you don't want that. Uh, you definitely don't want to go to Tampa. 
So if you don't get that number one spot, I think you want that third spot. And you're looking at the Guardians thinking like... The Guardians could be the White Sox, and I know they didn't have a good series against them, but I'm still okay. Could be the Twins. It could be anybody there. You're still going to have to travel. But if you have to travel, you would rather travel to the Central and play one of those teams than play the Rays. And the other reason you want to do that is because the next round, if you're the one team, you're probably playing the Astros in the division series. If you're the three team and you beat the Central team... You're playing the Yankees. All right. Well, there's the explanation for you guys. Obviously, this wild card race is tight. We are continuing to track it in the Mariners uh, run to the playoffs here. Very exciting final month to the season. This has been the dugout. Thank you to Gary Hill. Thank you, to Scott Service, for joining us earlier. As always, thank you to Shannon Dreyer. You guys can hear Shannon. Uh, you are on the pregame show just like normal today, correct? Yes. All right. Going over you there now. You can hear Shannon on the pregame show. That begins at 530 tonight, and that will do it for us today. For Michael Bumpus, for Shannon Dreyer, I'm Stacey. Ross for Curtis Rogers. Thank you so much for listening to the dugout. Don't go anywhere. Wyman and Bob come your way next.